Fewer and fewer people believe nowadays. It's possible that in a generation there simply won't be religion across Europe and large sections of North America, Australia and Asia. That's not necessarily a problem. But it's worth thinking about why people made up religion in the first place, and what we're doing with the needs and longings that led them to do so. At one level, religions are about asking us to believe in something. And when people say they can't believe, they tend to stop right there with the whole religion business, and often point out all the horrid things that religions have undoubtedly done and continue to do. But in a sense, belief is almost the least important and definitely the least interesting side of religion. What's fascinating is all the other stuff religions get up to. For example, the way they regularly gather people around and, strikingly, tell them to be nice to one another. Uh, Personality-wise, I mean, there was a—I think there was a time period where, because I didn't really know what I was doing with myself, you know, after someone probably divorces from an ideology that they've committed to their whole lives. Yeah. They have like this period of disorientation. They don't really know what they are about, but they know that they are not what they just came out of. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But they're still trying to find themselves. And that's really how I was that entire year. I didn't really know what to, you know, hold on to because my whole life has been devoted to just holding on to um, Christianity and its precepts. Now I didn't have that. So I was just kind of lost. That's that's how I can yeah. best describe how I felt during that time period. Okay, interesting. What about 2019? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Keep talking. Wait, what are you saying? I said 2019. What has changed? Oh yeah, 2019. What changed was eventually even though i felt all these things i i found myself going through these alternative things like i started to actually consider how it would be for a muslim to live how it would be for a buddhist to live how it would be for mm -hmm. people from different walks of life to live i tried to understand how they would perceive life from their perspectives so it helped me yeah. track in a, a couple of different shoes. No, I did not really feel aligned with myself and what I mm -hmm. did feel aligned with myself. So it helped me actually to not develop this judgmental perception when it comes to religions. Because I know people want to leave religions. That's the first thing they want to do is to attack every single religion yeah. that is creeping on the earth. But I had to go through this process of recognizing some innate qualities within religion that actually helps people and i had to find those aspects and incorporate it into my life so 2019 was like a year where um i became a bit more sure of myself and it's not just in the religious sense i became more sure of myself as to who i really was fundamentally and that gave me some some courage to live life differently 
wow that's touching that 2019 was being must have been like very enlightening for you then yeah it was it was it was more painful than it was enlightening because the whole process of this is you are literally just putting yourself out there doing things that you've not been programmed to do your entire life you're considering ideas which you were once told are you know bad to have or would harm you or something and you're engaging in these things you are trying to find out for yourself the truth and the merit to whatever anyone has told you about these things so it's a it's a process of discovery it's a it's a process of unlearning things and learning new perspectives to life so that in itself is kind of adventurous it doesn't make the whole thing feel very painful i really i really feel you on that for me like 2018 where was i uh second year of uni i was going through it i was at uni i didn't know what i was doing in my life i was doing a course i hated with all my might and <laughs> i thought you know when people say oh when they're like you know in the deepest rock they rely on religion or something i just yeah, couldn't look yeah. anywhere i just wanted to sleep all the time i got um like you're depressed sad um depression it was hard mm. it was hard and honestly at that time i was dating so i feel like i just said this if i wasn't dating i don't know where i would be today but yeah bless him um 2019 was more like rude awakening because I think at that moment I really felt like okay I'm an adult now and all these other adults in my life that were supposed to know things and take care of me they're just winging it so it's time for me to take charge of myself and what I believe in and what I want my life to be in the next few years and yeah as she said it's it's more painful than anything because yeah you'd have to you know steer the will yourself now but um, yeah. I just wanted to ask when was the first time you knew you were part of a religion or a faith or something like that uh, I think it's the same for almost anyone else that is raised in a religion they kind of just trace it back to their earliest memories the, yeah. probably the first time I was baptised that's the first time I had the sense that I'm participating in this ideology which everyone around me thinks is normal yeah these are normal so therefore it must be normal so then yeah. you just you grow up thinking of the world in terms of jesus and god and holy spirit and the roman catholic church yeah. whichever way you want to prescribe to your faith so then um there was never a moment in time where i did not feel like my religion was a part of my life it was just so well incorporated yeah it felt like it was just part of you like you knew nothing yeah. else right exactly it was natural yeah, that's crazy for me um i just know i was going to church on sunday so it was nothing <laughs> nothing else yeah literally i just knew that oh it's, it's sunday obviously i had like um i had hair so my mom would do my hair saturday night for sunday morning going to church yes, school. <laughs> you know would go sing songs yeah. that's all i knew i just knew that sunday was for that special you know thing and obviously i lived in holland so it was like a small it was more like a community you just get to see these same Ghanaian people in a very white country every sunday so for me that well that was religion for me as far as i can remember um i never got baptized um 
Okay. Uh, well, again, yeah, that's what I really remember. Then I moved to Ghana and I went to church again every Sunday. So it was it wasn't anything different. Uh, oh, interesting one. Did you hold any positions when you were going to church? Uh, yeah, I did. I did because even though I I just said that I grew up most of my life already indoctrinated with Christianity and it was basic for me, I still wanted to kind of understand this domain that I was in because you keep hearing from everyone around you, your pastor, your mother, your this and that. God is good, God is all powerful, God wants a relationship with you. So then if you're someone that is like, I feel that if you're someone that is serious about what you actually believe in, you would take steps to actually understand what you believe in. So that's what I was doing. Trying to personally understand God for myself, trying to build a relationship with Him, whatever that meant to me at that point in time, and eventually, um, this um, passion that I was exhibiting for that part of my life it started to get noticed by people, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would usually be called to speak on certain things, certain topics oh, wow. that for. Yeah, I mean, there would be some conferences. I think there was one conference a couple of years ago. I mean, I look at myself back then, I just laugh. But then <laughs> there was a conference a couple of years ago, like three, four years ago, where I was invited to some youth program in December in Action Chapel. I've forgotten the name of the program. Yeah. And I was like, that was my first time seeing my face on a flyer as oh, being wow. the main. You were big, big. Like, yeah, you feel me? I was like, yo, I'm making it big in this church thing. But then, I went, I went for the event and um, I got a mix of reactions after. I got most people just saying that they were blown away by whatever it was that I was ministering. And I felt like, you know, I was being chicken legs on stage. I didn't know how people fuck with what I was doing, but they did. And so that gave me a huge, like, moral boost to continue in this Christian thing that I was doing. I kept going deeper and deeper into it, trying to understand not just like what the Bible is saying about God, about his love and what Jesus did, but I wanted to understand for myself how God works in the present time. I wanted to work with him in the present time. So then, um, you know, this would eventually just lead someone into the realm of the supernatural. You start to think in terms of healing people. You start to think in terms of um, causing supernatural occurrences to just occur around you, become a natural part of your life. And I started to build a little record of these things. Like yeah. one girl I remember, yeah. she had um, a broken injured leg. I don't know what it was, but she was in a tremendous amount of pain about her leg. And it had happened during um, soccer. She got hurt playing. She had twisted it or something. Yeah. So then she came to yeah. me and then she said that oh she hears that i talk about healing i talk about god doing supernatural things so can i heal her broken leg and of course i had to spout that christian rhetoric and tell her that oh it's not me healing you it's god healing yeah. you and yeah. I put my hands on her and i pray and yeah surely enough she starts walking within a couple oh, of wow. minutes to both our surprises oh, wow. so then for me that was at that time a reinforcement of my belief that mm-hmm. this christian thing is um, supporting me that God has my back because there were some things that were just happening that I couldn't just say ah oh, this is coincidental yeah. or this is nothing yeah. else it was definitely coming from a place that I didn't understand yeah yeah that is so cool 
for me um when I was younger I didn't know what to sing they tried to put me in the choir no I was not having it um I um I was very I was always quiet so obviously they don't want someone who's quiet and timid on stage so I, I think from then they were like okay this this child is not going to be part of anything apart from like children's day so uh yeah <laughs> when I came to England it was a smaller church so obviously they told all the kids to get into the choir as well still I cannot sing so I don't know why or what I was doing there but yeah that's how that's how far holding a position in church was for me um I went to a religious school though like since I was younger I went to like uh what the first Catholic school in Amsterdam that was in my neighborhood I went to that um I mean like, like genuinely Catholic yeah a Catholic school but it wasn't uh it wasn't very strict strict but yeah they did pride themselves in mm-hmm. that title uh, I went to a Catholic boarding school in Belgium Time. I actually until someone died, I never knew there was a whole ass like um what was it called? Uh a whole church in the actual school building. It was so scary. It was like some Harry Potter scenes. Um literally. Uh yeah. And then obviously yeah. I went to a Christian school again in Ghana. Uh you know, the usual either Fridays or Wednesdays worship. So it's just like religion has always been around yeah. me, especially like Christianity. It's always been around yeah. me. Ooh, did you go to like a religious school? Yeah, I went I went to first and foremost in the UK before I came to Ghana. I was in a primary school St. Joseph's but that's as religious a school I've ever okay. been to it was like the first kind of school which you had to do a mini version of mass every morning okay. at assembly before going to class that kind of thing but even everyone is you know playing with their rosary beads and reciting their Hail yeah. Marys day in and day out they are also you know doing naughty things <laughs> in the bushes and just being <laughs> so <laughs> it was like I felt even from jump that these religious schools are just, you know, by outward appearance, it's not really how people mm-hmm. be feeling in their normal day to day. So that's as far as um, religious indoctrination as I got via school, because not much of my indoctrination came yeah. from school. Much of my indoctrination came from um, my life crisis, like the places where I found myself yeah. in life with my mother and my parents and all these situations that were happening in our lives that's what led me to this place where i felt like okay i need to hold on to something i have been raised as a christian to do my daily prayers do things this way and that way but i want to understand god for myself i want to experience god for myself and it led me to have very profound experiences that defined my christianity from that time onwards that's what made me a christian that's really interesting because um, I think, as you said, the indoctrination starts really, really early. We don't even notice, like, okay, this is actually not the norm in other places. And I also feel like most of our parents felt like their religious schools were better than the regular state schools that were neutral. So I think that's why yeah we're all into like religious schools or christian schools or something because even in the religious like like christian-based schools you'd find other like religions there like you'd have muslim kids in there you'd have you know buddhist kids in there so i think obviously the christian schools 
had some you know um recognition when it comes to education um do you have any like super mm-hmm. religious people in your life and if so name two things you like uh, about them. Uh, <laughs> super religious people there's only one person that comes to my mind and that's my mom so name two things like my mom is um i love almost everything about my mom I'm not gonna lie like i'm not gonna be a flower child and see that oh everything about my mom is just absolutely perfect of course not everything is but there is so much in that woman there's so much to appreciate there's so much that she's done for yeah. me and if i'm looking for an example of a christian who has um literally lived up to this motive that jesus said where you must love your neighbor yeah. as you love yourself and give yourself all these this i'll say that my mom fits that description very well she's been that person for me growing up because we've had um, a lot of difficult moments as a family experiencing traumatic things but she's always been that how do i say a uh, constant person in my corner praying for me working things out for me so, oh, that's so sweet. definitely a huge dream <laughs> that. that is so sweet <laughs> i wish i could say so um not saying mom is a lovely person <laughs> she is but um anyway um i have a very religious uncle who he's literally what what do you call those people he's a prayer warrior at church so they go to the church like at 6 a.m to go pray for the church before the whole congregation comes in and um few things i like about him he's very patient like over the years family members have done some crazy shit and he's always had that patient element and i'm really jealous and i'd like that for myself as well um yeah. secondly as you mentioned the love your neighbor as yourself thing i think he really shows that it's it's a thing that you must follow it's a thing that you actually have to like um have within yourself as a devout christian so i admire that a lot about him um what's your most awkward religion related moment um I mean, there's there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot. But then, one that particularly stands out for me is the day that I just decided. You know what? This Christianity thing. That's by everything I've just told you right now. There did come a point in time where I realized that my understanding of God was just based on a lot of. It may have been partially based on experience, sure, but then most of it was based on how I expected that experience to go and so then whatever i would see whatever i would experience whatever would happen in my day-to-day life instead of finding the true course of it i'd always ascribe it to god and i just reached this point in time in my life where i stopped doing that and actually observed some things and i realized for instance that if we're talking about healing and you want to go around and see that your god is the best because he heals through you fine you can go ahead and see that but then just down the road, there's probably a, a, a mosque where there's a particular imam who is also trained in certain um, Muslim magical arts. And it allows him to also heal certain people because there are sects of Muslims that are very much into healing. There are sects of Buddhists that yeah. are very much into healing. Sects of various religions, there are those mystical elements where there are people dedicated to the expression of the yeah. supernatural. So. 
you cannot i realized at some point that you really cannot restrain or limit the supernatural to a faith and once that um, realization came to me and i also began to just accept the fact that other religions manifesting these phenomena is not satan it's literally the same thing i'm doing when i allowed myself yeah when i allowed myself to get there then that's when everything just kind of changed for yeah, me yeah that's so true because um i think i had a phase where i was like okay let me let me see what buddhism and uh spirituality is all about and then i, I was reading a forum where someone made mention that what um pastors refer to as like spiritual healing when it comes to like spirituality um they call it kundalini or something like that and it's like similar um similar activity i found it really really interesting and also when i was growing up in um when i was growing up in amsterdam in my school because amsterdam is a very um they like to be very uh what's the word very broad in the teaching so obviously every year we'll do a different religion so i think um in year two or something we're learning about buddhism we're learning about the stories and when i go to church on sunday we there were similar stories from the bible so as she said it's not just like one faith that has the path to like to unlock these spiritual powers or have a relationship with you know the larger power out there and it's not everyone that's open to you know that idea or concept so it's very challenging to explain to people that oh, okay yeah. what you believe in it's great and all but you're not the only one and just because other people have similar yeah. things even, even, even that for me wasn't very persuasive mean? just realizing that like just realizing that every other religion or walk of life had their mystical elements it wasn't enough for me to because i i do know that there are people out there who possibly think same but that's not enough to persuade them to you know really criticize yeah, yeah. the religion oh, or whatever they subscribe to yeah so then for me it was much more than that even after realizing this i had to actually study christianity study this um structure that i'm giving my life away to yeah. literally with every passing moment i'm giving my life away yeah. to certain ideologies so i need to understand what is it about this christianity which is making me so tense i started to study it started to look at its history where it came from the origins of christianity how it mirrors other ancient traditions and how there are jesus type figures yeah. that precede christianity and stories of yeah. jesus type figures that precede christianity it got me thinking on a more logical linear way that this faith that i've been giving my entire life to is just a copy of ancient traditions once i reached that junction for me it was no longer a question of how long are you going to be a christian it was now a question of how much are you going to now change your mind because you've gone past I, the point I, of no return i can't really relate to that um, so when you're growing up obviously asked about a religious person but did you have a super unreligious person during your childhood um a super unreligious person i would say my dad but the thing is my dad he would socially say that he's a christian like if you ask him yeah. if any elder was to ask him who are, what are you he'll say oh i'm a christian but then um he doesn't like church he doesn't like the whole um the whole 
way people perceive Christians to be and Christianity to be done. He doesn't subscribe to any of that. For him, it's more like it's his personal duty to God to live life in a good way. And on those terms, he calls himself a Christian. But even that is not so unreligious. The most unreligious person that I've had in my life is my uncle Parash. That's my dad's best friend. Okay. He is like stone cold atheist. But he's not like the kind of atheist that is always trashing Christians. No, no, no. He has he has a life to live. So he's a very successful person. But then his mindset is if you can't explain it in terms of logical manners, then you know it can't be said to exist so he's someone that has had that mentality he's, he's tried to make me consider that mentality every now and then whenever we meet but it's yeah. never been a, a forceful thing unlike what other christians do where they tell you that this is this and that is that he's always been like yo chris he just just considered this alternative way of thinking and he's always been that kind of person to suggest new ways of thinking for me that's really cool for me um as I think the way you described your dad, uh, that's how my dad was. Actually, he was more like traditionalist. So, yeah, I was talking. Yeah. What? You mean like Ju? <laughs> Not Ju. You mean like Juju? I didn't even know it was Juju until I grew up. But, like, <laughs> he was, I've been to a shrine before, and there was like a, he had a whole like spiritual person that would guide him and things, and, you know. Like this is the first time I actually talking That's about so cool. it because, yo, it's not everyone. You know how everyone else is like Christian, so you can't be telling people shit like this. But who cares? Yeah. So when we're growing up, he's yeah, yeah, of course, of course. He's trash Christianity all the time. But now, can you imagine? He has converted to Christianity, and he goes to TV Joshua. The irony of it all. But yes. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all people, you went to TV Joshua. That's mad. The way Ghanaians do Christianity, it's very, uh, it's very traditional as well. It's not too far away, like the way they treat it. I don't know if you understand what I mean, mm-hmm. but you could you could feel like it's yeah, indigenous, like the expression. Because like I've been to white church before, it's not the same. So yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's crazy. definitely definitely. But um. At what point did you realize that religion doesn't serve you as it does to others? Um, I think the moment I realized that religion couldn't serve me anymore was when I realized that mm. it was limiting me too much. Because um, there was always this depressing feeling I had growing as a Christian where I always thought that my best life is in the future my best life is even possibly after death when i meet jesus or my best life is resembled in my suffering here on earth trying to spread his gospel and you know dying for a reward so then christianity was limiting my potential to just live life fully and it was coming to that realization that really made me initially just go wild like as soon as I left Christianity, I completely just removed all chains on my neck and I fucked up. I did all kinds of things that um, in my Christian state, I would have been completely aghast, but I did them anyways. And it was while I was doing all these things, these forbidden things, that's when I realized that, all right, I've done these extremities. I've been on the Christian holy side and I've been on the 
devilish, um, depraved fornication <laughs> side. So now I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like this balancing naturally happened. I just realized that I didn't have to be this extreme on that side. I didn't have to be this extreme on the other side. I just had to be who I want to be in the moment without being pressured to be anything else. And that that gave me some peace. That made me realize the limitations of not just Christianity, but also the limitations of thinking you have to live differently to Christianity once you're out. You just have to, at some point, decide that it's not about mm-hmm. being this or being that. It's just about yourself in the moment, finding yourself in the moment and realizing that life is not is not going to be good 10 years from now, 15 years from now, after death, that now you can make life good for you right now. You just have to believe that. And that's what helped me get out of I do feel these you a lot on the restrictions. Um, I think for me, um, I realized that, actually, it's not like I realized, but I, I think I felt bad and I felt like a hypocrite because it's just like this um, way of life is asking you to do certain things. Yeah. And I have zero motivation to do these things says what read your bible every day do your quiet time i don't do it and i don't want to lie to myself so i'm gonna do it tomorrow i didn't want to do that anymore i didn't i didn't want to feel like i'm a hypocrite you know and i also felt myself um being less of that person that defends the religion because people talk about the faults in it and I'll find myself yeah, yeah, yeah. on the other side or in the middle try not to even like you know add to the conversation at all so I was just like if I'm doing this then who am I to call myself a Christian it's not fair it's not being true to myself I don't want to be a liar to yeah. myself most importantly and secondly um, I became yeah. like a um, a bigger feminist than I was when I was just like I don't think it goes with each other. And I'm not saying that you can't be a feminist and you can't can't be a Christian at the same time. But for me, I identify as a woman first before any other thing. So if this religion is telling me that I like, oh, I hate this word. And I keep telling everyone I hate the word submit. And I just can't, I can't do it. And if this is telling me I have to submit as a woman and, you know, tone it down because whatever this is asking me to do it and this other side of mine is saying no i deserve to have a voice i deserve to do this i deserve to do that i can't marry the two so one has to go yeah and exactly it's one it's one of those funny things i've always imagined the christian feminist like how conflicting can that be as soon as she tells someone you're a feminist and someone will start quoting you oh but yeah the man is the head of the house and i'm like what shut up <laughs> no <laughs> you know and it's just like oh then they'll start quoting you about these powerful women in the bible mary esther abigail and i'm like no i don't relate to these women like no they were good and all but i don't feel the same you know yeah it doesn't it didn't serve me yeah. and it's hard because it's something that you've known since you were a child literally a baby and now you have to tell yourself that no i'm not that person anymore Mm-hmm. it's really really hard and i think i was having a conversation uh, in 2017 i was telling my friend because he's atheist and i told him yo i don't feel like this and i don't know if that's a bad thing and he was like just you know keep going at it and keep exploring other ways and see what you you know what you really want to do with this whole religion thing and i think i think this year 
or the ending of last year, I said to myself that I'm not entering the new year feel, you know, acting as if I'm this person or acting as if I strongly believe or adhere to this, you know, religion. So it's been hard. It's been really hard. But yes. I think the more I tell myself, like, okay, this is what I am, it's becoming better for me. But yeah. Um, have you openly yeah. declared that you're not religious to those around you? Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's public knowledge. It's as public knowledge as knowing the sun's okay. gonna rise the next morning. Everyone kind of knows. And um, I think uh, how I did it was there was just this point in time where, like you said, I also kind of did feel like a hypocrite. I was like. I'm openly telling people I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm having all these thoughts and ideas in my mind, you know, and, you know, buying into occultic practices and trying them out and they're working, you know. And I realized that, yo, I can't yeah. say I'm a Christian and I'm doing all these things. So then I had to just come clean. And I mean, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. I just, I was just being silly on Twitter and I made a joke. I was talking about the fact that if Jesus could like, you know, have sex with the holes in his hands, it, it will make Listen, him holy. I tell my ex that I need to block so this nigga. Like... <laughs> like, I was just doing the most because I don't know, I felt like I could. So then I was just like, what if Jesus could like have sex with his hands? It would still kind of make him holy. And honestly, it was a, That's not from my perspective, it was just a joke. Like, I didn't think it would backfire like that. <laughs> you did it? I didn't think it would backfire yeah, like that, but that. it did. People got pissed. Nah, 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 nah. I thought they would just overlook this one. See, like, he's just being stupid, but they actually took it seriously. And it backfired, and everyone was on my mentions. It became huge. And I was kind of put into this position where everyone was calling me a hypocrite now because they knew I was a Christian. Yeah, I'm making these kinds of stupid jokes. And so then. Yeah. I had to, I didn't have to, but I decided oh, I to um, write out a blog and just oh. yeah, and just address everything and just clear the air and just tell people where I stand. And if they feel like they can't control where I stand, well, honestly, fuck yeah. you. Like, that was the whole point of the, the post. And I put that out there and things went smooth. Surprisingly, I thought things would get a bit more heated, but things went smooth from there. People got the message. And literally from that point onwards, I had to just recreate myself be who i actually was and disidentify with that whole christian persona for you you it was very um very out there for me i'm still in limbo um i think uh i stopped going to church and i I told my mom i just don't like the church i actually don't it's a Ghanaian church and yeah she's she's stop telling me to come i mean (laughs) that's why it's nice asking to come i didn't mind i just went you know, for like big, big events, you ask me, oh, just come. So, yeah, I think she's taking notice. So, it's not a conversation that we're going to have ever. Um, I yeah. have a very religious uncle. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to break his heart. I feel like he's going to send me to one of these villages for them to pray for me. So, no, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yes, deliverance. deliverance. Yeah, so it's not something that I really the one the people are comfortable with and i know that if i tell them they won't be offended or they won't start like telling them doomed to or cast to hell yeah then yeah i tell them my views and my opinions but 
Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't say I'm so open, open to it, but I'm out there. I'm out here, guys. I'm trying, but it, it's not something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. your pace, honestly. If it comes yeah, as a because it's not traumatizing. Like it's part of your your identity. So, and people's identity. So you can't just go and say anything. Definitely. People take it as if it's like kidnap your child. Like they take it really deep. So yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, interesting question. So, what are your sentiments around death? Do you believe in afterlife? Yeah, and death. What are my sentiments on the afterlife and death in general? Um, it's definitely changed from the Christian one. I used to believe that if I die, well, it doesn't matter what I've done in my life. As long as I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, I'm going to go to heaven. That was my ideology. But then um, when I drifted away from Christianity, and I started to understand what exactly Christianity was trying to suppress yeah. before it became the dominant religion it is today. I started to understand that Christianity used to, what they would call paganism, it's really just ancient wisdom, it's really just old wisdom that our forefathers had, which we've lost. And containing, like within those traditions, especially in the African context, among our tribes, there is this idea that God is not this separate person out there in the cosmos with hair on the throne somewhere just watching us. That's not God. God is rather his uh, consciousness, his, his awareness. He's me looking at you and he's you looking at me. He is the breeze on our face when we walk outside. He's, the trees swaying in the breeze. He is everything around us which breathes and breathes life. That's God. And when we see all things around us as God, as expressions of awareness, then we begin to treat things in a compassionate way, more naturally. We don't really see a separation between ourselves and the tree. Therefore, we would not just mindlessly cut down the tree. We would consider it. We wouldn't just see ourselves separate from others around us that we differ on. We would actually try to understand them. Why? Because the the very common thing between us is the fact that we're both aware. We're both rising out of a state of awareness. We're both God. We both give each other that respect. We both give each other that understanding. So then making that shift for me from God being out there to God being literally me and everything to God being the infinite experiencing itself through all these varying levels of life. When I came to this understanding through certain initiation processes within my own African traditional system, that's when I began to understand that even when life as I know it in 3D reality in my physical body, when life in my body dies, when I can't perceive this tiny spectrum of life in this body, I will not cease to exist. I'll continue to exist. How I will continue to exist, I believe it depends on the state of being that I am in at the point of death. I'm not saying there is a heaven afterwards or there is a hell afterwards, a place of torment. No, no, no. I feel like if if people die in a state of awareness of themselves, a very high state of awareness, a state of love, a state of um, 
generosity, kindness to the world, gratitude. If they die in a state of being where they have risen above those inferior feelings of hatred and bitterness and anger, if they are if they've reached death at a place of high frequency, I believe that after death, they would attract to themselves high frequency experiences. That could be heaven to them. That could be reincarnating back into this world to have better experiences. That could be anything, but that's something that we cannot be conscious of because if you look at the human body, subconsciously, um, 95% of us acts subconsciously, but 5% of us acts consciously. So then at the point of death, I believe that that 5%, which is yeah. conscious, it expands because now it's not limited to this physical body, which precipitates yeah. this 5%. So now it expands. It's, it comes to understand all things. So though we may not understand what exactly sh- like our lives will look like after death, what shape it will take, we can understand that if we can purge our subconscious, if we can raise up the frequency of our subconscious, if the, the things that we teach ourselves are pure, are loving, are heart-centered. If these are the things we can teach ourselves and get ourselves into that state of being, not only is it good for us in this life and makes life easier on this side of eternity, but after eternity, after that point of death, when our awareness expands, we can also embody all these high vibrations we've been building up. So for me, I think what happens after death exactly is a mystery. But if you are someone that is always invested in keeping yourself pure and happy and manifesting good things in your life. You don't have to worry about where or what you'd be after life. You'll be fine. I think death particularly is one of those things that actually made me irreligious because, um, you know, you can't even deny this. Like whenever we go to church, most of the preaching, like 60% is all about the afterlife, the prayer for the afterlife. You have to... You know, be right, you know, reach righteousness. As you said, accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior so that you don't perish, you know, you're hellbound. So I think it was a lot of fear tactics, and I just didn't understand. And obviously, there's like the book of Revelations telling you what's going to be the hellfire, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, first of all, I don't know any one person that's actually been there and come back and tell us what's been happening. Apart from that weird time in our childhood, you and I both know about when um, Michael Jackson died, that he said that we shouldn't listen to music anymore. Selena is being beaten up whenever we listen to a single. Yeah. You know that weird yeah. arrow everyone went through? Yeah. Yeah, like, time, that, yeah. like why are you telling me that I should be afraid of something I don't know about and mm-hmm. for me it's rather more calming that I don't know and I don't generally care what happens after me when I die and um, yeah that's more calming for me I don't need to worry okay. about what happens later on I just need to worry about now and how yeah. I'm going to live a good life for myself and how I'm going to be a good yeah. person for the people around me that's more important to me than how my body is going to, you know, be shot a thousand times. I'll, yeah, like, it doesn't... Uh, there's something in Dutch that people say, it will wait, we need... Uh, yeah, I don't care about it. But, um, uh, yeah, that's really... That was, that's what really pushed me. But I was watching The Good Place on Netflix. Have you watched it before or heard about it? 
I it's not shit. So. I've life heard about it. I think people are calling it shit. The whole thing is about the afterlife, if they're in a good place or the bad place. Hell, heaven and hell, basically. And the last episode, they actually uh, got to heaven. Oh, crazy. And then when they got to heaven, obviously, heaven is supposed to be where anything that makes you happy is available to you. But when they, they realized that when they got to heaven, people got tired of being happy and being content and, you know, have everything that they want. So yeah. I think the group or the main characters discovered that the people in heaven have to die again and just disappear into thin air and that's when they'll be okay and the last episode is really insightful because it talks about the philosophy around death and it's really interesting i'd suggest you go watch it but yeah that also gave me insight about how we should care about how we live our lives here and how we treat others and yeah that's that's really good for me it makes me feel small doesn't make me feel too important so 